Let's stand for the reading of Ephesians 6:18. It's a short one, so. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Amen. You may be seated. So war, I know it's a real positive topic, but war, when I think of war, I think of wars like Afghanistan, um, the Civil War, uh, World War II. Uh, War could best be described as devastating, gruesome, terrible for everyone involved. Is there anything worse than war? Then there's what I call the invisible war. Mentioned just a few verses earlier in 6.12 of this same book of Ephesians. When Paul says, this battle is not against flesh and blood, but against every spiritual darkness. This battle is invisible. It is against the world, our flesh, the devil. Uh, We fight, we battle with this every day. Uh, I ask you, which one would you say is worse? Well, I would say the invisible war. Unlike physical wars, you do not have to enlist. But in this invisible war, this battle against the world, the flesh, the devil, everyone is involved. There's no need to um, sign up. There's not like you can opt out one day. Every day you are involved and you are either supporting God or the devil. This is nothing to say uh, against um, our service members. I fully support them. This is not belittling what they do at any point whatsoever. Uh, I just think that when we think about the totality of the effect of this war that is waging uh, all around us, it is, I would say, more deadly, more effective, more uh, gruesome, has more consequences. Uh, I also want to say that even though we are in this battle and it is daily, that doesn't mean that behind every time something goes wrong in your life, there's a demon to blame. There's not a, so, quote unquote, a demon under every rock. There's, it's not that the opposite either, that there's no uh, chance of dealing with spiritual life or there's no spiritualness to this world we live in. Let's say just the opposite. Uh, we battle this, but it is something that we, in our lives, we focus on Christ and not our enemy. So uh, additionally, um, if I would sum up how I would categorize 618 uh, of this book of Ephesians, uh, in four main points, I would demonstrate that as equipped believers, we must fight by prayer. So I'll say it again. In four main points, I would demonstrate that as equipped believers, we must fight by prayer. So what is prayer? I would define prayer as the following. Prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart of God and soul to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit, according to God's word for the good of the church, according to the will of God. I changed a few words, so if you look this up and fact check me, uh, it's loosely John Bunyan. Um, It's not a one for one, but just, just a heads up there. But I think the definition is, is there. That, that's prayer. Um, if I had to simplify it even more, it's, it's praying to God, talking to God, just letting your heart out, speaking your heart out to the Lord. Um, just a little a background here. Uh, this section in Ephesians 6, 
It's as if Paul is sending a loved one off to battle. This is the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He's given practical ways uh, for the believers in Ephesus to live. Um, When we talk about prayer, let me also remind you that this gospel, uh, which is of God, which is Christ came, he incarnate. God became man and became the God-man, truly God, truly man. He lived a sinless life. He died for our sins and rose on the dead, rose from the dead on the third day. If we believe this by faith, we are saved and we become Christians. As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit and a right relationship with God. In this relationship, God calls us to spend time with him, praying to him, sincerely, sensibly, biblically, according to God's will through the assistance and strength of the Holy Spirit. Apart from this, if we do not hold to the gospel, if we're questioning and struggling, I would contend with you just a little just to say that you are not in a relationship with God, a right relationship. In fact, the Bible says you're fighting against him. So in verses 10 through 17, Paul is using defensive war type language here. We see this when he looks, when he talks about putting on the full armor of God, uh, the chest armor, the helmet, uh, the shield and more. He, he's saying defensively, he's speaking about the defensiveness of how we should engage in this battle. When we get to verse 18, I hope you see there, there's a, there's a contrast. He goes from this defensive type language to saying that now that we are equipped for battle as followers of Christ, we need to go on the offensive by prayer. Um, so for each section of this sermon, each point I have, I will break down verse 18 as, uh, in sections and we'll see how we Pray to wage war against the enemy. Um, so as, as it says in verse 18, we engage in this battle against the enemy by we pray at all times in the spirit. So to pray at all times is a heart posture, a willingness to pray. It's a desire to pray that comes about when we are saved as believers. It's the Holy Spirit working in us that causes us to want to pray. It's um, a, an attitude where we want to oftentimes communicate with the Lord. Uh, It's also saying, if you are happy, pray. If you are sad, pray. Don't let your circumstances dictate your prayer life. See, we all have a tendency to pray based off our situation. When times are good, you know, we we pray, you know, or we don't pray. Uh, when times are, str- are rough and we really need help, that's when we are encouraged to, uh, to, to spend more time in prayer and church and, and Bible study. So we must pray regardless of how we feel or how life is going. Uh, in this section, second section here, we see um, praying in the spirit. So you might say, hey, Matt, what is praying in the spirit? Don't worry, I got you. Uh, it's um, been taught a lot of different ways, so I, let me uh, try and handle this carefully. To pray in the Spirit is praying according to the will of God while your heart and mind are engaged. So praying in the Spirit is mentioned three times in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, this verse here, Ephesians 6, 18, and Jude 1, 20, or just Jude 20. The word praying in this section, in verse 18, is means praying, praying in the spirit is praying in or refers to 
by means of, or with the help of, or in the sphere of. Praying in the spirit refers to how we are praying, not the words that we're saying, but it's praying according to the spirit's leading. It's praying that the spirit leads us to. Um, I have this quote from gotquestions.org that kind of sums up a little bit of the teaching on this issue. I know uh, I've heard this talk about tongues a lot, and please hear me, I'm not trying to make a, a, a definition or a stance up here today about whether the gift exists or not, but I do want to just communicate this one simple truth here. So, um, so based on 1 Corinthians 14, 15, uh, some equate praying in the Spirit with praying in tongues. Um, discussing this gift of tongues, Paul mentions praying with my spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 states that when a person prays in tongues, he does not know what he is saying, since it is spoken in a language he does not know. Further, no one else can understand what is being said, and unless there is an interpreter. So in Ephesians 6, 18, Paul instructs us to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So how are we to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests and pray for the saints if no one, including the person praying, understands what is being said. Therefore, praying in the Spirit should be understood as praying in the power of the Spirit. It is by the leading of the Spirit according to His will, and it is not specifically talking about praying in the gift of tongues. So again, I'm not saying the gift exists or doesn't exist. All I'm saying is this verse right here is not, not talking about it. So, on a separate issue, uh, I see praying in the Spirit as praying biblical prayers. What I mean is we must pray for things that God would bless. So, I worked at UPS, and if anybody knows warehouse work, uh, you can get a very interesting group of guys come work with you. Um, I had a guy who uh, was a new guy. I've been working at UPS for a little while, and I, uh, he knew I was a Christian. He heard of that, and he uh, he said, hey, Matt, would you pray for me? And I was like, sure. You know, what's up? What do you need? He said, well, well I was driving and I hit somebody and uh, drove off, but they caught my license plate. And I said, oh, um, so you hit someone and you, you did a hit and run? He said, yeah, usually I don't get caught, but this time I did. And I was like, um, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I'll pray for you, but I don't think it's what you think it will be. Um, but my question to you all would be, again, what would you pray for that situation? It's not praying, Lord, I pray that he gets out and he doesn't have to go through court or any of these other things. I don't, I don't think that'd be biblical. I think the biblical prayer would be, Lord, I pray that justice is done and restitution is made to the person he injured. Um, so... We pray at all times in the spirit. Uh, secondly, we, we pray with every prayer and request. Every prayer here is talking about all kinds of prayer. It's praying in public, in private, silent, out loud, on the way to work, and before you go to sleep. Um, these are, uh, I've heard it talked about breath prayers. You, it, it could be any kind of prayer, any kind of time you are praying to the Lord, uh, formal or informal. That's what this is talking about here. It's every kind of prayer. Uh, and we see, continuing on with, with request. When he talks about request here, it's that these are petitions or requests. This is a, a form of prayer. This is simply just asking God for something that's on your heart. I know we can be needy in prayer at times, but God still, with open hands, says, 
Let your request be made known to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I, heard, I once heard a pastor talk about how they would pray for the salvation of their kids and grandkids all the way up to the 10th generation. Um, I, we, Rosemary, my wife, and I, we, we try to copy this. So nightly, when we pray together before we go to sleep, uh, we just pray for our kids' salvation. We pray that they would um, just truly love the Lord and truly repent of their sins. Uh, we pray that, that one day they would meet a woman who they would love and fall in love with, stay married forever, and never have to deal with divorce. Uh, we also pray that they would just be healthy, um, of sound body and mind, that they wouldn't have any issues uh, to deal with in a huge way as they grow up, and that they would be productive members of society, that they would give back to their communities and serve those who need help. You know, uh, I'm not saying when I say this that because I pray this, I'm getting everything. Uh, as we'll discuss later, um, it could be just quite the opposite. But on our heart, we still, we desire, we pray the prayers that God is leading us to pray. One of the best games, sometimes I get asked, Matt, how do I start a prayer life? You know, I just feel out of it. I just don't know how to start. It's been so long since I really prayed. Uh, and I would say um, one of the best ways to gain a prayer life is to just start early in the morning. Uh, I, I've noticed even with Bible study that if you don't pray early in the morning, I would say when you wake up, um, it's easier if you push it off then to keep pushing off throughout the day. Uh, I'd say that's a good start. That's a good start. Just pray in the morning. Just, it's easy. Just let it go. As soon as you wake up, just pray. Um, it designate some time to it. So Paul in verse 18 then says, we need to be alert with perseverance. I think that's interpreted as my third point. We pray with a goal in mind. For example, you pray until you have peace on the issue. Praying until whatever evil you're dealing with is gone. So let me stop and ask you all. Do you ever feel like your prayers are not being heard? You ever feel like it's not working? It's not effective? God doesn't care? He's not listening or any of this, those uh, type of responses? Uh, maybe you feel like God's not even really interested in hearing you. Maybe your sin has just so far kept you from God that you just don't feel like you could come back and, and just even pray to him. Um, so here are some reasons why you might feel that way. Um, I got this from biblicalleadership.com. They summarized it very well. These are all biblical reasons why that you may feel uh, estranged from God. Unconfessed sin. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. Uh, it's the idea that you are doing something or have something that God hates. You have not confessed it to God or another trusted believer. You, you've kept it. You're hiding this. You don't want anybody to know because of what you feel the consequences may be. So it's unconfessed sin is one. Two, unforgiveness. You have been wronged by someone, maybe even someone in this room. You just keep holding on to it. You won't let it go instead of forgiving that individual just as Christ God has forgiven you in Christ. Three, unbelief. James 1, 6 through 8. As I stated earlier, Scripture is pretty clear that if you have not had your sins forgiven by Jesus, then you are not in relationship with God. You are not in this tight relationship where he just understands you or any of those type of things. Instead, you are actively fighting against him in your lifestyle. And it is him and your existence, your 
all that you have, all the people and all the niceties you have in this life is God's mercy to you to bring you to repentance. Verse four, wrong motives. James 4, 3, not verse 4, sorry, point 4. Uh, you pray for something, but you intend to do evil with it. Uh, like, I want more free time just so I can sit back and just watch TV all night. I know. <laughs> uh, I, I, that's that's uh, something I struggle with. Or you just pray for money, but you have no intention of glorifying God with it. Um, just the opposite. Uh, fifth reason, uh, treating your spouse poorly 1 Peter 3, 7, uh, if you are not serving your spouse, rather you are um, hostile to them or nagging them all the time, you are negative, maybe there's the unforgiveness there, uh, that would be another reason scripture says that God is letting your, your prayers hit the ceiling and fall back down. Um, six, lack of effort. Uh, your lifestyle shows you don't even care about God. You, you don't pray, you don't read your Bible, you don't discuss Christianity. Uh, by your lifestyle, you openly deny him, even though you would call yourself a believer. Um, and then the last one, uh, the sovereignty of God. That is, God simply said no. Uh, why? Maybe because you can't handle it. And if God gave it to you, it would destroy you. Um, I don't know. I, I, it could be a myriad of reasons. And I... Uh, it's not as if God will eventually one day here tell you why that is, but um, that is why we pray in faith that God is doing what um, is best for you, as Scripture says that he will. So I say all these, and I I know the tendency here is to say, well, I'm like all seven, you know, or this is me, exactly. I, I think the point here is this is something we strive to. We strive to confess our sin. We strive not to hold on to unforgiveness or unbelief or wrong motives and so forth. That's a striving. But in Christ, as believers, I think God puts in our heart to change us and help us to deal with these because sometimes we don't know. We don't always know if we're treating our spouse poorly, you know? Sometimes, I know like for me, we didn't always have a, a deep model of that, what that looks like. So, if, if I'm doing something wrong, maybe it's the Lord uh, showing me, hey, you need to change this. So I think that another option uh, that people see this, and, they, and they, maybe they say, all right, well, I'm not going to pray. I can never send up a perfect prayer. Let me satisfy that. You never will. Uh, it'll never be anything perfect you send up. But again, these are things that we aspire to. Uh, when we talk about the, um, our Father who art in heaven prayer, we... I like to start off my prayers with, Lord, if there's any sin that I committed, Lord, please forgive me of that and show me what that is. I may repent of it, both verbally and practically. I, um, on top of that, um, I would say it's easy to, to see these again and run, but I would contend, just pray. How you respond to this, just pray. Whatever's on your heart, just pray. I've had times where I felt distraught. I felt like it wasn't doing anything. Prayer was nothing. It had no effect. I didn't, it, it seemed pointless. But God is saying to us, I believe, just pray. Let, us, let it out. And God will help us to deal with whatever issue there may be. Those have been some of my most helpful prayer times when I've been angry with God, yelling at God in my prayer. And by his grace, he humbled me through it. And 
Those are times where I felt closest to the Lord, where I could literally just share everything on my heart, everything that I was struggling with, just literally telling God, I hate this, I hate that, this person did this to me and it's wrong, Lord, and I didn't feel like you did anything, all those things. I feel like God honors those prayers. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear, no matter how depraved you feel like it may be, God wants to hear the deepest parts of your soul. He knows it. Before God, we are naked and afraid, exposed in front of him. Um, But scripture says, even knowing that truth, that he wants us to come to him. Come to him. I say that. Come to him in faith. Secondly, I'll say um, that even when we feel this way, and I've felt this way in lots of times, um, you, you feel like God won't help. I look at John 6, 68 where Jesus asked Peter and the disciples, like, after Jesus told him, you must eat my flesh and uh, drink my blood, and everybody's left him, and, and he says to them, are you gonna go too? And he says, where else do I have to go? Or there's no one else who can answer my prayer. There's no being, there's nobody. You have the words of eternal life. Where else can I go? I, I pray that whenever I feel like it's not doing anything, I'm like, Lord, I, where else can I run to if you don't answer this? I need you to come through, Lord, because... There is no other help. There's no Muhammad helping me, Buddha. There's no other, there is no other faith. There's, it's just the faith in Christ. There is no other help. That, I believe, is another form of overcoming all our doubts when it comes to prayer. So, continue on in verse 18. Uh, we pray for the saints. We pray for believers, point four. John Calvin says, our first duty in prayer is to the saints. We pray for one another, just as uh, Christ has called us to pray. We, we are known for our love for the saints. So for me, I'm convicted. Uh, I have a tendency to worry about my own selfish interests. Scripture here is calling us, rather, to pray for the saints, to ask your brother or sister in Christ how you can be of service to them, praying or meeting their needs, and to follow up with that. I, I struggle with that deeply. Um, scripture says, we want to seek the good of all, but especially the saints or other believers. So uh, uh, the I Am Second uh, campaign, which is a good, great, wonderful group of people. I suggest you all looking up. But just the the language in there, I kind of want to pick at just a little bit. Um, The idea is I'm second, God is first. I think scripture, uh, looking at Philippians 2, uh, 3 through 4, it says otherwise. So when it comes to prayer, we're not first, we're last. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count, consider others, others, more important than yourselves. Everyone shall look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. So I think the idea there is that when we're praying, we're not first, we're not even second. We acknowledge God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the faith, and then comes to us. We, we pray about our own needs. So as I conclude, I want us to let us remember that it is believing the gospel that Jesus, truly man and truly God, came and lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, and rose from the dead on the third day. This truth 
brings us into relationship with him if we believe by faith. Then is when he hears our prayers, he answers them. He desperately, not desperately in the sense of need, but he passionately desires us to come to him, to spend time with him, to worship him through prayer. Apart from not believing this gospel, again, we have no relationship with God, no prayer life. We are fighting against him. I just want to remind us that when we talk about prayer, it is not the power of our prayer, but the power of the triune God you're praying to or where the power comes. Uh, you, you hear it often that, you know, the, oh, his, powers are, his prayers are powerful or he's powerful. That's, you know, the way they pray is just, I have nothing against pa- praying passionately. As I gave in my definition earlier, praying passionately is, is I think, what God calls us to. Uh, all kinds of prayers, right? But just the idea that it is the passion that moves the heart of God is kind of like we're manipulating God because of our actions. And I don't think that's how things work. Remember, our God is sovereign. And then at the end of the day, his decision on how everything works in this universe, it's up to him. Uh, we believe that uh, we talk to God in prayer and that in his power, not the power of our prayers, he responds according to his will. Remember, we are in a serious war and that by praying, we go on the offensive against the enemy. We do this by, we pray at all times in the spirit. We pray all kinds of prayers and requests. We pray with a goal in mind and we pray for the saints and believers. This is how we wage war against the enemy. This is how God is calling us to pray. Thank you all. I'll pray. Close this out.